hands. <laughs> I want to fall right in line with, with what Mike's doing tonight. Especially that song, it's uh, not ironic, but I, I think it's just given from the Lord that, that, uh, that he would play that song. You know, we didn't really get a chance to, to talk. Um, he's had a rough week like he talked about. <clears throat> and um, it's just a, a great song for what we're going to talk about tonight, which is just a vision, not a vision casting. I haven't taken that from Josh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be scandalous? <laughs> yeah, he went out of town, <laughs> you know. Um, speaking of that, Josh and several others are out of town in Mexico. They're on um, what he calls a scouting trip. I can't see y'all for anything. Um, uh, you know, the BCM's going on the big trip in April, I want to say, whenever that is. Uh, you know, we took a, a small group down to kind of touch base back with the churches that we've worked with over the years. Um, and so they're, they're there now. Um, when Josh told me he was going to be out of town, I just I fell to the ground and I grabbed his shirt and I just said, please, please let me speak. Let me, let me, let me, teach, let me teach our people. Uh, <laughs> that is not true. Uh, uh, I have started with a lie. Uh, Josh came to me and said, look, uh, we are taking myself and Meg and Matt Iglesias and Kyle and Kenny and Taylor and, <laughs> and going to Mexico. And then John came to me, Big Fine John. Well, I don't know if y'all know Big Fine John. Um, John Ringo came to me and said, hey, I have a family trip we take every year. I won't be there. And so if you do the math on that, um, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I am the army of one. Uh, well, um, I, I, like I say, I want to come to you all tonight and just kind of talk about our, our focus. Um, real quickly, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I'm, I'm one of the uh, elders. We're an elder-led body. I'm one of the elders. And elder is uh, synonymous, same essence of uh, the word pastor and the word, uh, and the word shepherd. And so I have um, a very easy time calling myself a shepherd. I, I feel very called to, to shepherd um, y'all as a body. Um, uh, elder is not really a problem because uh, I'm fairly old. And then... Uh, <laughs> But pastor's always tough. You know, Josh comes up now and says, hey, I'm one of the pastors. Like, I'm, I've been here a long time. Josh, dude, you're the pastor. And he's saying, no, we, we are an elder-led, a pastor-led, a shepherd-led church. And so I'm that guy. Um, I'll tell you, sorry, quick story. Um, I uh, went to school up at Louisiana Tech, and please don't shut me down. Don't, uh, don't turn off. I need you still here with me for a little while. But uh, I went to Tech. Go, go Bulldogs, Jensen. Um, shout out, Sarah. And uh, 
uh, I was about 20 years old, and I was driving up to Ruston, um, and uh, I, I grew up in church. I don't, all that to say, uh, I went up one weekend. Um, my testimony, kind of the short version is I was dating this girl. Things weren't going really hot. Um, I was going up one weekend. We had gotten out for summer break, and I was there. Me and the girl ended up breaking up like that that day. <laughs> so I just didn't want to cry in front of you. Uh, <clears throat> we broke up, and uh, just things weren't going right. Uh, the drive up, God was really messing with me, and that added to it. Like, I, I don't know if that was worse than the girl thing or not, but just messing with me. And, and so when Sunday rolled around, I said, man, that's all I got left is this church service. I had our home church there, what I considered my home church, because I was an adult now, and I could, didn't have to claim the church I grew up in, you know. Um, come in that day and the dude had like gone to Mexico let's just pretend but the pastor was gone and the worship leader was gone and and uh and I came in and and right then and there I said not like my god my god why have you forsaken me but that's what it felt like like god I am in the worst I, this is just the worst weekend I could possibly have and all I want is to listen to my pastor and he's not even here and uh, it was a 70-year-old man. He had, he had come to uh, speak, and he was a, an old friend of the pastor. And uh, I came to a saving knowledge of Christ that day. And uh, I just tell that short story, my, the most powerful story I have, really. Um, it was amazing. God just does things, and you never expect them. And so I just tell you that tonight to please uh, stay open. You know, just because Mike's leading worship instead of Cody, just because I'm speaking instead of Josh, please just remain open to the Spirit because we've had people praying tonight that the Spirit would, it would fall on this place. And so, uh, I guess let's get into it. Um, I've only preached a couple times, four or five times in the body, in the life, history of the ring. Happy birthday. Yesterday was four years as a church. Um, I, so I'm not a pro preacher, but we're going we're gonna to walk through some stuff. I don't know what a pro preacher is. but um, I'm going to kill John and Josh uh, because I watched Footloose three times last night, and <laughs> it didn't help my sermon at all. I don't even know what they were talking about. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Y'all come to church more. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's open up. Uh, we're going to look in Exodus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with three pieces of the Bible that really um, really revolve around what we want to talk about tonight, which again is just our focus, our vision, our, um, our looking towards God, our attitude towards God. So let's, uh, let's go to, to Exodus uh, chapter 14. All right. Um, this is the story of the Israelites. Y'all don't tell Josh I had to make, like, sticky notes to kind of put it in my Bible. That's kind of embarrassing. Uh, this is the story of the Israelites and the Exodus. <laughs> hence the Exodus. Uh, hence Exodus 14.10. Um, God had, had grabbed Moses and said, I'm, I'm going to use you to lead my people out. And, and not only that, but he was going to tell you that I'm going to use you to deliver my people from bondage. And so... Moses did that, you know, several talks with the, with the Pharaoh and, um, and had pretty much uh, hit a brick wall. And so 
what God did was he sent the plagues, the, the ten plagues. And they were pretty powerful. That's a different sermon. That's probably a sermon that we've heard a lot over the course of our lives maybe, but pretty much destroyed the Egyptians. I mean, just really crippled them. And um, so it's odd. You know, the Israelites saw this. They watched this carnage and this frustration and this death happen to these people, the Egyptians. But yet still, well, let's, let's just go ahead. Um, let's read, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, verse uh, 14, or sorry, chapter 14, verse 8. I'm, I'm going to read it. Uh, Dave's got verse 10, I believe. I'm going to back up and just give you a little a piece. Um, it says, uh, verse 8, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The uh, NIV says they were going out with an high. I don't know that verb. There's the vowel tense, but with an high hand. Like, what is an high hand? And that just means boldness and confidence. So these people had watched the plagues and then had, had obeyed, had, had followed Moses out. And the Pharaoh at one time had hardened his heart and said, I don't want you to leave. You're not leaving. Not that I don't want you to leave. You're not leaving. God, before that, had said, I'll make him want you to leave. And through the plagues, he did that. Pharaoh said, go, take your people and leave. And so they left in boldness. These people who were once slaves basically just said, peace, we're out. You know, and they, they left. Verse 10 says, uh, you can see it here. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And this is, this is what started me down this path. Last, last summer, I got a chance to, to teach one of, the, um, one of the classes that we did over the summer, and it was on contentment. And, uh, and this, was, this was part of that, the contentment of the Israelites before they left, before they left Egypt. And it, it just struck me. This verse shows a literal movement of the eyes. It's not just that Pharaoh's heart became hardened. It's not, it's not like they got a bad attitude. They say, it says they lifted their eyes. They changed their view. They changed their focus. And here they see trouble, you know. And they see Pharaoh and his army marching against them. At this point, they're backed up to the Red Sea. They had come by the Red Sea. So, you know, a lot of times we, we jump over this story past that part. We go straight to the big, the big deal, the big separation when there's a lot of power here, these people had moved their vision. They had moved their, their heart um, and, and had gone from a place of boldness, a place of high-handedness, to where they looked at their circumstances. And this is where I need you to, to relate with me. They, they looked at their circumstances in life and they became fearful. Um, uh, 13, I'm going to read uh, 13. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to read 11. It says, They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. They totally forget the boldness and the confidence. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So what the people did, um, they began to complain. And they began to cry out to the Lord. And I, I don't think that was a cry of dependence, like, Lord, save us. It was, why, 
you know, that complaining, that what are you doing to us, you know? And uh, Moses says in, uh, in 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. To me, Moses is just trying to put that, that view back where it needs to be. It, it's, it's moved, and I need you to come back. Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which we will work for you today. And this is cool when you're talking about vision. From the Egyptians, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. That, as a, as a guy, I'm sorry, I don't mean to leave the girls out. That's awesome. Like, these people you see, you'll never see them again. I'm about to take care of them. You don't do anything. All I need you to do is be silent. Moses says, turn, turn your sight. See your salvation. And I think um, the... Uh, I think to me, and, and I, I do, uh, I may not be a very good preacher. I may not be able to bring out what's going on in your life, but I need you to see that point, that a lot of times we're right where we need to be, and then a circumstance hits. You know, what, what in your life is, is turning that vision? It just it struck me for some reason that they, all of a sudden, oops, we saw him chasing us. It's, everything's changed, you know. That's not our God. That's not the God we serve. And so, let's, um, again, circumstances. Now, a lot of times, I guess, uh, along with that, it does seem like life is attacking us. There are things that happen to us. Um, and it takes a lot of faith. I'm not saying it's, it's simple. But God calls us to stay. You know, he calls us to, to stay, remain, uh, remain um, with your attention on him. And to not change your vision, not to look aside from what he has for us. Let's, um, let's, look, let's look at another, another part, which was kind of cool. As I began to think about this, God just began to just roll with me. And it, it was just, it was fun. Um, let's look at, in Genesis chapter 19, and we're going to look at Lot, uh, the story of Lot. Um, if I can paraphrase... Lot and his family lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, uh, the Lord had mercy upon him and sent two angels to speak with him and to tell him to, to get out, you know. Um, <laughs> basic, basic point, God spares uh, Lot and some of his family. <laughs> I think you all know who I'm talking about. And then they leave, tells them, hey, here's your chance. Go. We're telling you to go. And so... Um, Lot's wife comes into play here. One of the one of the coolest stories, I guess, growing up. I, maybe that's wrong. Maybe I shouldn't say cool. The lady dead, but um, like, uh, there's no name for Lot's wife. Like I was reading, doing some research on this thing, and and uh, uh, Christy was talking with me. And she kept calling her Sarah. I was like, well, who's Sarah? You know, and, and for some reason, all biblical women are named Sarah to to us. So um, her name might as well have been Jake. You know the way she acted, which would have been awkward, but um, <laughs> verse twenty-six is the even Lot lingered. If you read back into the story, even Lot, even even he took prodding. The angels took his hands and said, "Go," and they they sent him out. And uh, verse twenty-six it says, uh, well, twenty-five says he overthrew those cities, the valley, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. 
He destroyed the place. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Again, I guess maybe getting older, I'm starting to pick up more stuff. Maybe some of the reading uh, that I'm doing. But the translations, when you look at that, that statement, I don't know if I've ever seen that, the behind him aspect. But I started reading on that and it was talking about she didn't like like peer out from behind him, you know. She didn't say, hey, uh, peekaboo. Um, she was behind him. She was lingering. Even Lot was lingering. He was, I don't think he was going at the pace that the angels wanted him to go. It said that he had mercy on him and let God let him get to that city before he was destroyed. But she was lingering. And I don't want to take too much um, license with the text. But in reading some of these accounts, what I see there is that there's a, a holding on to something, you know, that she had. These people come to her and they say, we need you to leave. We need you to leave this life behind. We're going to destroy this place. Isn't it? You know, it's easy to judge people when we're looking back that far. You know, he had, he had lived life there. His family was there. Um, son-in-laws uh, that were to marry his daughters, they did not make it. And so the point with the wife is, I can't claim the truth of that, but I know for me, was she looking back? Was she looking to the past? Was she looking to what she was leaving? Um, again, the context of the story leads to uh, the fact that, that not only did they leave their house and their possessions, but they left some of their family. The daughter's thing is unclear, but um, there may have been more daughters. There were son-in-laws. And again, I don't want to judge her, but God has called us to do something. Listen, listen to the practicality of it. God has called us to do something, or he's called us out of something, called us to a new life. He wants to destroy this, this old life, and yet we linger. And for her, it was death. You know, she became a pillar of salt, which I, I can't fathom that. I don't know what that is. A, became a pillar of salt. Um, again, for us today, I just, I guess when I sit up on the stage, I always want y'all to be able to track with me on what we're trying to say. What, what are you holding on to? If God has, uh, if he's called you to move, if he's called you to step forward, what are you looking back upon? And please don't hear me uh, browbeat or anything like that. We're in this together. I'm, if I'm a shepherd, I, I want to shepherd you guys through this. What, what, where are you going and why are you looking back? Um, I look in my own life. Again, I'm not just saying, hey, I'm in this with you. I look at my own life. There are relationships I regret. There are things that I hold on to. There are better times in life. Um, no, they're not. There's really not any better times in life. But I guess I want you to think about that. Are you, are you sitting there today and thinking, Man, I wish I was living the life I had five years ago. Or if you've just gotten out of college and life is crazy scary, you know, you're getting a job, you're making a check, but you're paying bills, you're paying your own insurance instead of your mom and dad paying your insurance. What does that look like? Are you saying, instead of, God, instead of what you're moving me into, instead of trusting, setting my eyes on you, are you looking back? Are you holding on to things? 
um, is there disobedience in that? In that? And again, I'm not pointing fingers. I want to walk next to you and, and, and help you through it. I want to, I want to fall right along and, and step with you and walk, and walk through it with you. Um, so I guess the uh, Israelites, they show the characteristics, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, circumstances that we may go through. Um, Lot's wife paints a picture of the, the past or things that we hold on to, things that we linger. Why do we linger? Um, let's go. Uh, let's go. One more. One more story, or one more uh, historical account, and that's uh, that's the story of Peter walking on the water in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 14. We've all heard this story before. Um, I, I'm sure it's one that's been preached uh, maybe hundreds of times in your life if you've grown up in church. Uh, if not, it's it's still a pretty common story. Uh, let's read, uh, Dave, what did I give you? Did I give you 22 through 31? Yeah, let's, uh, let's go there. Sorry, I'm the last one to get there. Uh, talking about Jesus walking on the water, says immediately, verse 22, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, now listen to this. It says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now this is very much uh, similar, runs a parallel to the Israelite story. Now that may not make sense. Um, there was a belief and then a disbelief. Like I, It's one of those verses, one of those stories in the Bible that I wish there was so much more detail on. Detail. Uh, Peter said, it's, there's something peculiar about this to me and and. and Maybe I need help from y'all in terms of how to interpret that. But it is, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I think I would have phrased it differently. Like, hey, I want to walk on the water too. Can I? Like, will you let me walk on the water? There's faith in this statement. It says, Lord, command me. Like, he has a total, total other step. It says, Lord, you know, only you can do this. You command me to come out, and then I'll be able to come out. So out he steps. Again, faith. Dude, got out of the boat, and there's, no, there's nothing here. Like, I want to know what was there. That step out of the boat was serious. Like, what happened? I, I don't know if he... I, I just, I picture it weirdly. You know, did he kind of, did he say, Lord, I trust you. Command me to come out of the boat, and I'll come. And is that still like a tippy-toe and a little touch in the water. You know, how did that first step take place? Is it a cringe? 
They're like, oh, please, please, don't let me fall, don't let me fall. We're going to go off the ranch here. Indiana Jones, uh, the last crusade. Dude had to, he was told to step from the lion's mouth, and that was a big old step. And I think that's how Peter was. I think it was a big old, and I think, I think it was a big old long, long step, you know, to get out onto that water. I wish, man, I, I just wish he told me because it, it's something I need to know. Sorry. Um, like I told you, it, it, is a, uh, it is a story that draws comparisons to the Israelite story. Peter knew Christ. He had walked with Christ. He had faith. He had belief. Everything you and I have, we know Christ. Those of us who, who have come to that same knowledge, who, who believe upon Christ, we know Christ, we know Christ, we know Christ. We believe Christ. We believe the things that he says. We believe the things that he can do. And yet still, he gets out in the water and turns. I, it doesn't say turn, but he saw something other than Christ. There is our almighty God, our Lord and Savior, who has given him the power to step out of the boat. To step out of the boat. Like we have. Like he's called us to step out of the boat. Whatever your boat is. I know that's odd, but whatever your boat is, he's called you to step. And he wants you to focus on him and to walk to him. And he gives you that power to do that. And yet still, for some reason, we turn to the right and to the left. Again, a practical thought. What is your wind? What is your storm? Because for some reason, something more important than Jesus. Did you hear me just say that? <laughs> what is more important than Jesus? What took his focus? What took his sight? I fear. You know, I don't want to go there, but there's a lot of things in all of our lives, practical point, all of our lives that for some reason, become more important than Christ. More important than not the creator of the world. The creator. I, it just doesn't make sense when you look back on it, but I do it every day. Again, not pointing, pointing. Um, I wrote down uh, some things that, that uh, some wind, some storms. Um, I know for me, uh, sicknesses, um, um, you know, we, we've got a, a deal, our oldest daughter, Addie, has, uh, has type 1 diabetes, and I remember the diagnosis of that being just a punch in the gut, uh, we didn't understand what life would look like with that, and uh, God has, <laughs> what do you say, you know, God has been faithful, that's such a such a weak cliche in terms of what God has been, you know, who God is. Uh, this is even worse, my bank account. Me and Chris can go from having the best day, uh, me at work and talking to her, I love you, Schmoopy, and you love me, Schmoopy, and, and everything is great, and we can be right where God wants us to be. I don't know if he wants us at Schmoopy's, but... Uh, <laughs> We can be right where he wants us to be, and we can be trucking along. And that darn bank account, I can check the bank balance and things not be going like we want to go. And that just, that's a tornado, a hurricane. That's a storm for me. It just moves me. 
if my eyes are here, it just moves me. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about, you know? Relationships. I want to come back to the Lot's wife deal. Uh, there are relationships uh, that we, we have, you know, with our families, with significant others, girlfriends, wives, husbands, whatever. But they're, well, I hope not husbands, not whatever, but um, like there are relationships I know that, that move us, that move our sight, where we, we go from giving God, God the glory and walking in obedience to uh, lingering again and holding on to those things and, and letting those things move our sight. What, what in your life is moving, moving your sight from him? Because I set on him is the best place you could ever be. And that's not a cliche. I, I don't really know how to support it. As a father, I can offer um, something relatable. Uh, Jack, I'm having trouble remembering what he was doing. Jack is our oldest son, and he's just crazy. Dude is nuts. And uh, I think he was walking through the house, and he just kind of, as he was going by Joe, our younger son, just kind of, just like lobbed him. I mean, just moved him out of the way. And I grabbed Jack, and I'm right there in the living room. And, and don't lose me here. Father, son, father, daughter. I grabbed Jack, and I said, Jack, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you doing this? There was teaching, not so much teaching. There was discipline that needed to happen. There was teaching that needed to happen. Why are you doing Why did you just shove him like that? And Jack, as me, I'm a large guy, as I'm in his face, like, why did you do that? He is this way. Because Yo Gabba Gabba is on TV. I don't know if you know what Yo Gabba Gabba is. <laughs> no? There's a, there's a party in my tummy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jack is this way. And, and I know I see you, Paul. You're the only one I can see. Um, um, Parents, <laughs> shout out, Paul. Um, parents, when you're trying to teach your kids something, there's nothing worse than when they will not look at you or when they are looking at something else. And Jack is doing just what Peter did. Jack has got something more important than his father. And that's a three-year-old example. We've all got examples. We've all got examples of where... God wants to have us, to have us, to have us. And yet we're, we can't see for you, God. Can you move? I would have lost it. If Jack would have verbalized that, like, Dad, yo gabba gabba is on, you've got to move. I would have lost it. We would have had two kids. Uh, <laughs> Again, I'll use my kids. It's easy for me to, to speak from this because I am, I am a dad. We've got three kids, uh, Addie and Jack, Addie and, and Joe. But Addie and Jack, Addie's six, uh, Jack is three. And uh, we, we spend a lot of time, we, I let them watch TV a lot. And I watch TV a lot. We eat supper. Chris has asked me before, like, can't we just eat as a family, you know. And somehow I sneak in and get the remote before she gets in. So... We turn the TV on, and it's always America's Funniest Home Videos. It's just good, clean, crotch-smashing fun. <laughs> and so, uh, 
as we're watching TV, there's, Yo Gabba Gabba is totally different. You can, you can put them in the room, trust me. You can put them in the room and just leave, like autopilot. It's been done. Christy told me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but with America's Funniest Home Videos, what I fail to see a lot of times is that that's, that's a, it's prime time. I know it's not, I know it's not a new show. WGN, prime time, baby. Um, but we watch it all the time, eating supper and all that stuff. Well, you don't just get Nickelodeon cartoon commercials. You don't get My Little Pony uh, commercials. You get everything. You get everything on TV. So if you get the trailer for Legion, you know, the horror movie that just came out where the old lady's face just goes crazy, like, there's a problem there, you know. And I still, for some reason, Chris tries to teach me, and I'm, just, I'm a bad student, but those things come on. And my response, Addie, Addie, Jack, look here, look, Jack, Addie. <laughs> I did it today, Addie, I can't remember what we were, what we were watching, but um, hi. Uh, we were watching something, and Addie said, or Jack said, that's not what I need to watch. <laughs> and, and like, so he's looking at me going, Jack's not supposed to watch that. And Addie's, I'm going, Addie, look, look, look. And the deal is, there's nowhere else to look. I can't go, hey, look at that picture on the wall, you know. It's like, I want your eyes now. There's something there that you don't need to see, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't have given it to you. That's where me and God <laughs> do that. We go several ways there. But don't, don't lose me. I'm, again, just being silly, but there's protection that I want to offer at. I want to offer Jack. Eyes. Guys, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. There's something going on over here. You don't need to be a part of. You don't need to look at. You don't need to partake in. I want you here. And they're good about it. Am I good about it? No. No. You know. I think God puts these things in me as a father because he, as a father, goes through the same things. That there are things that we partake in, things that we look at, things that we live in, where he is saying, you don't want to do that. That's not good for you. I am good for you. Put your eyes on me. Put your focus on me. Watch me. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. Yet we still, we venture out. I'm just just charging you um, with this, you know. I just want to encourage. I don't want to browbeat you. I don't, I don't want to point fingers again. I just, please, uh, just see what he wants from you. As a bridegroom, I'm talking about it as a father, but as a bridegroom, there are things with Chris. Um, that's the only bridegroom I've had. But uh, um, storms will hit. Those storms that took Peter's uh, attention away, storms will hit, and I'll watch her. Chris is one of the strongest women I know. And that's not just a husband from the stage getting to say that. That's a Jake letting you know who a Chris is. And one of the strongest women I know, and yet there are things that will come up that when they hit her, you'll watch her drift. You'll watch her vision change like an Israelite. Her eyes will turn. And that's nothing against her. She's got to talk me off the ledge every day on something. But there's things that, for some reason, they hit hard enough to where you look 10 years down the road or you look next week down the road when God is telling you, hey, come look at me. I'll get you through this next hour, and I'll get you through the hour after that. I'll get you through the day after that. 
my word, lamp into your feet, take the obedient steps, not a lamp into the end of your life. Follow me. I'm, I'm going, I'm chasing right with it. Um, uh, I think that he calls us to look and see. We'll, we'll run through some uh, scriptures. Um, those are the relatable points uh, to me. I'm kind of analytical and all that stuff, but um, where, where are you letting your circumstances pull your vision? Where are you letting your, your, your past, where are you letting your wants pull your vision from Christ, pull your sight from Christ, pull your heart from Christ? Um, God calls us to look and to seek. God calls us to, to have our vision on him. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, a beautiful verse. A lot of y'all probably know. Uh, what do I give you? 14. Um, if my people who are called by, by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, Again, a seeking and a turning. Um, sorry. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land, and hear something cool. Now my eyes, this is the Lord, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Talking about the temple. And then for now, I have chosen and consecrate this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart, talking about God's eyes, will be there for all time. I've his eyes, that will you look to me, and I'll look to you. Um, Psalm uh, 105. I'm gonna read uh, read one through five. Sorry. It says, uh, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him." We just did that. Tell of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Stay. Stay. Don't turn. Seek and find him. Seek and stay continually. Psalm, uh, Psalm 121, Lee came and spoke. A lot of y'all uh, were here. A lot of y'all may know Lee. Uh, 121.1, very common. Um, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Character, uh, characteristics of the Lord. Creator. He's everything. And he wants us to turn our eyes and look to the hills. It's an action on our part. Because you know the action to leave is our part too. You know, just like Peter. He made a choice. Something drew him. God says, or sorry, says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, this was a, a really sweet verse that, that uh, I found, and I'm not just talking like I'm from the 90s. It was sweet to me, uh, romantic, being on uh, Valentine's Day. There, I said it. We're having church on Valentine's Day. Uh, Proverbs. 1615 this is really beautiful to me in the light of a king's face there is life and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain we know we know what spring rain looks like 
Like, is that beautiful? In the light of a king's face, there is life. I believe that. But yet I, I leave. His favor is like the clouds that bring spring rain. That's a lot of rain. Like, spring rain's a lot of rain. Spring rain. All right. Um, I, I don't... I don't have uh, these magical answers to if, if someone would say, Jake, you're, you just keep saying it. Keep your eyes there. Turn your eyes. Don't turn your eyes. What does that mean? Um, there's only a couple things that I know of in terms of tangibly seeking him, tangibly keeping your eyes on him. That's prayer that we walk through in these 30 days. Man, they're just rocking my face. Like just amazing, amazing things. Sometimes really hard to read. Uh, Andrew Murray, but prayer, where God says even the act of, of just that, you, you know that that's how we do it, where we say, all right, I'm, I've come to a point where I can't do it anymore myself, that's a turning prayer, even though a head is bowed in reverence, I believe it's a lifting of the eyes to our Father for help, um, His Word stare into this word and that is staring into the Lord into the Lord's eyes into what he wants for us it's it's all right here I, I've always had people say that and I always thought it was weird like growing up like why is he so so crazy about the Bible because it's what he what he gave us this is gazing into him this is gazing into his statutes into his love into into his commandments into what he wants for us um the Murray stuff this week, I don't know if everybody's following it, but it talks about fasting, and it was just a beautiful phrase in, in terms of prayer and fasting, where, where fasting is actually the letting go of something on earth that we hold on to. Uh, so I look at, I look at uh, prayer and reading his word, and even fasting, which is something we don't talk a lot about, but uh, fasting being a a turning of the hearts, a turning of the attitude towards Christ and saying, I don't need this. I'm not going to hold on to food or whatever you're turning from, but I want to turn to you and look to you for my strength. I think that's where we need to be. Um, basically, it's just a movement out of the world, out of, out of what we are holding on to, out of what we think. Again, like Jack with Yo Gabba Gabba, out of the things that we think are better than God. It's a moving. This looking towards God is a moving away from those things of the world into the things of Him. Um, there were two, two more things. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not going long. Um, uh, let's go to Luke, Luke 15. This is just a, a really nice deal. Josh has been preaching over this several times. seems like he might hit it, some part of it, once every week. And it's the story of the prodigal son, parable of the prodigal son. And uh, verse 20 says, uh, And he arose and came to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so what the son had done was formulated a plan that I'll, I'll ask my father to be his servant. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the son's plan was once he got there. You know, I, didn't, I don't know if he knocks on the door and Hope's dad answers. I don't know if he goes to the stables and gets the, the guy who handles all the livestock and says, hey, I need you to talk to my dad for me. I don't know what the plan was, but it didn't matter. Uh, again, I don't want to add to this. 
but this has just become one of my favorite parts of this story. The dad saw him. And so there had to be some looking on the dad's part. So as the father calls us to look to him, again, he reciprocates and he looks and he waits. I don't know how long the father, if there was a waiting. But what a beautiful picture of the father looking for his son. The father seeing his son before the son even saw his dad. And that's just, um, I just want that to encourage you. That even though it's hard, even though it takes a lot of faith to ignore the storms and ignore the wind and ignore the circumstances and ignore your past and to only look at Christ and to look at the life he wants you to step forward in, that he turns and does the same to you. He looks for you to come back. He looks for your vision to come back to him. So just know that and believe. Um, that is uh, really about all I have. Again, I don't know how good I am at, at uh, conveying thoughts that maybe over whatever. I'm not going to go into self-deprecation mode. But um, I just I want you to, I want it to be relatable because I know it's true among us all where we turn our vision. Um, there's a there's a chance we have now like right now um, and I, I wish I could speak every week just in terms of this not that Josh does a bad idea of communicating it but um, worship um, a lot of times and I'll use what we just talked about I stand in the back I've stood in the back forever uh, a long time ago I don't know why think there was enough space I didn't think people were annoyed by my singing or I could sing loud as I wanted to you know and there's a cry in my heart for worship and and um, slowly even just this not this year only two months in but um, the past year uh, did we start to come up around to the front I want y'all to know my heart on this because um, there was a fear and I'll still stand in the back because it's so good to watch y'all worship and to watch just the spirit move, to watch the hands fly up, to watch people get broken. But a lot of my problem was fear, and, and I still have fear. I'll stand next to Chris, even my own wife. And as, as Mike or as Cody, whoever, as we lead worship to the almighty creator, the almighty God, he's calling us to, to give of ourselves, to look to him, not to look to Mike, not to... Watch him play guitar or watch, you know, watch anything, you know. And I pray that for us. I pray that we would have a reckless abandon in worship. And it'll sound bad, uh, I think, like, but really good bad. Like, that makes no sense. But you know what I mean? Like, just who cares? If he's calling us to worship, may we throw our head back and worship and not let... I hope Chris is not getting distracted by me. Or I hope Tori and Brad aren't hearing me as I'm behind them. You know, shout out. But, um, like, does that make sense? Like, we have a spot right here, right now, to lay our head back and just reckless abandon. Who cares what's next to you? Who cares who's behind you, in front of you? Because those are all things that, not that they don't mean anything, but in this context of looking at the Lord in his eyes, they don't mean a thing. Like, he's called us to him. And so I pray that for y'all. Um, I will pray that for y'all here in a second, that, that we would start now. Um, 
I also pray that you would walk out tonight and whatever has popped into your mind, other than obscenities, maybe, <laughs> but uh, like whatever has popped into your mind for your own practical life, I pray for y'all that the faith, that, it, that you would have the faith to keep your eyes straight. Um, I, I, I want that for y'all. I want it for me because his word shows that it's what he wants for me. And that, that's just, there's no better place to be. So um, the band will come back up. We'll, uh, let's pray. Let me, let me pray for you for a second. Um, Father, Lord, I just sit here and have had the opportunity to just talk. And Lord God, may you be glorified. May you have been glorified, Father. Lord, we want to bring glory to your name. Father, you call us to seek you. You call us to abide with you. You call us to make our home with you. And Lord, I pray for myself and for these people, for our our community, our body. Lord, I pray for the strength to, to remain. Lord, I pray for those things, for relationships, for circumstances, for things in our past, for worries in our future. Lord, I pray for those things to go away. Um, (laughs) And even if they won't go away, Lord God, I pray that we would set our eyes on you. Whatever that means for these people, Lord God, physically lifting our eyes or turning the eyes of our heart to you, Father, and remaining and staying, Father. Lord Jesus, be praised, Father God. Lord, you have died for us. We owe you our lives, and that's what we talk about tonight, is giving you our lives, not remaining in this world, not looking at the things that we hold dear, we hold valuable. Father, you hold us valuable. May we somehow come to to reciprocate that, Father. May our love for you far outweigh our love for possessions, for relationships, for circumstances. Thank you for the times that you've allowed us to come back. Thank you for the times you will allow us to come back. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord God. Lord, be praised. Father, again, I want to be true to the promise I've made these people, Lord. Right now, Lord, we get to worship you. And it's not just the last half of the sermon, last half of the, the church ceremony, Father. It's the It's an opportunity, and it's a pleasure. It's a blessing. May we just praise you, Father, with all our hearts. May our eyes not be turned to the right or to the left. May we focus on you. May we pour our guts out. Lord, may we pour our guts out to you, Father. May it be strong. May your spirit be pleased with us. Lord, come and work among us. We love you, Father. Lord, may we learn to stay and learn to look. Just be pleased. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray all this.